0: Welcome, everyone, to the Southern Specter Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah, and as always, thanks for listening. On today's show, in celebration of St. Patrick's Day, we'll actually be taking another little journey back to Savannah, Georgia. I also had the opportunity to have a little discussion with Miss Enica Edenfield. You guys remember her. She was here on the show prior. She'll be here today to tell us a few new stories about Savannah, Georgia, and to discuss uh, some of the stories we're actually talking about today. So I hope you guys stick around and enjoy that. If you haven't already, be sure to follow me on Instagram at the Southern Specter. You can also find me on Facebook at the Southern Specter Podcast Facebook page. Also, be sure to follow me on YouTube at the Southern Specter Podcast. Also, I just recently dropped... A new trailer for my new show, a new podcast I have coming along known as The Southern Spoonful Podcast. And you can actually find me on Instagram as well to keep up with the latest and greatest with that new venture that I have. And you can follow me at The Southern Spoonful Podcast. I also like to do a few shout outs beginning with Mr. Warren P. He's the musician that wrote and recorded. The intro and outro for the Southern Specter podcast, and uh, he does amazing work. He's a very talented young man. If you'd like to hear more from him, please go follow him on TikTok at Warren P. W a r r e n P e a y. Also, want to give a shout out to Lucky Duck Soap. This guy, uh, this stuff is amazing, guys. It's made in small batches from all natural ingredients and it's really hard to beat it lasts for a long time the scent is very lasting it's very pleasant like i said before my wife uses some by our kitchen sink it's rosemary and lemon it smells exactly like a kitchen should and i actually just uh popped open a new bar of carolina fresh and that's exactly what it is it's a fresh go-to scent it's that type of scent that really wakes you up in the morning and it's it's very clean scent it's, it's awesome stuff so if you head over to lucky duck Soapery, and Soapery is dot com, then you can have uh you can order your very own lucky duck soap and like i said they have a ton of scents to choose from so you won't be disappointed i'd also like to give a shout out to lynn riles on instagram at Beware the bookworm. And so that's Beware the bookworm is BKWYRM. If you guys are like me and sometimes you get stuck trying to figure out what you want to read next, go follow her page. She has a ton of selections and she's very engaging with her audience. She always is willing to lend an ear and to listen to you guys' feedback she she's amazing at what she does she does a really great job and if you're stuck trying to find something good to read she'll definitely help you out of a jam so be sure to go follow her as well all right everyone since we're so close to saint patrick's day consider this the saint patrick's day edition of the southern specter podcast and keeping with tradition i'd like to now offer you an irish blessing may love and laughter light your days and warm your heart and home. May good and faithful friends be yours, wherever you may roam. May peace and plenty bless your world with joy that long endures. May all life's passing seasons bring the best to you and yours. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everyone. Now, on with the show. On February 12th, 1733, General James Oglethorpe landed his ship and settlers at what is now known as Yamacraw Bluff, which is situated on the southern bank of the Savannah River, and all were greeted by the Tomochichi Indians and Yamacraw Indians. It was on this day that the city of Savannah was founded, along with the colony of Georgia, The plan was known as a scorched-earth policy. Forces would destroy military targets as well as industries, infrastructure, and civilian property, which in turn would completely devastate the Confederacy's economic status and networks of transportation. Union Army Commander Lieutenant General Ulysses S. Grant, along with Major William T. Sherman, believed that this strategy could be a turning point of the war. If performed correctly. On November 15th through December 21st, 1864, Major William Sherman would lead his Savannah campaign, or better known as Sherman's March from Atlanta, Georgia to Savannah, Georgia. Sherman believed without a doubt that this tactic could be carried out, but President Lincoln and General Grant had their doubt. However, Grant entrusted Sherman's decision-making and on November 2nd of 1864 sent Sherman a telegram simply saying, quote, go as you propose, end quote. Sherman set the scene for their departure in his own memoirs as told in the following, quote, we rode out of Atlanta by the Decatur Road, filled by the marching troops and wagons of the 14th Corps. And reaching the hill, just outside of the old rebel works, we naturally paused to look back upon the scenes of our past battles. We stood upon the very ground whereon was fought the bloody battle of July 22nd and could see the copse of wood where McPherson fell. Behind us lay Atlanta, smoldering and in ruins. The black smoke rising high in the air and hanging like a pall over the ruined city. Away off in the distance on the McDonough Road was the rear of Howard's column, the gun barrels glistening in the sun, the white-topped wagon stretching away to the south, and right before us, the 14th Corps, marching steadily and rapidly with a cheery look and swinging pace that made the light of the thousand miles that lay between us and Richmond. Some band by accident struck up the anthem of John Brown's body, the men caught up the strain, and never before or since have I heard the chorus of glory, glory, hallelujah, done with more spirit or in better harmony of time and place. William T. Sherman, Memoirs of General W.T. Sherman, Chapter 21 General William T. Sherman, along with his troops, marched their way toward the Atlantic, dismantling all Confederate militia, outposts, supply stations, and any means of transport along the way. On December 21st, Savannah Mayor Richard Dennis Arnold rode out to offer a proposition to Sherman and his men. The mayor offered that the city of Savannah would surrender with no resistance at all in exchange that the city be spared as well as protected. Sherman sent word to President Lincoln in a telegraph saying, quote, I beg to present you as a Christmas gift the city of Savannah with 150 heavy guns and plenty of ammunition and about 25,000 bales of cotton end quote. Savannah would become the first state capital of Georgia and a strategic port in both the Revolutionary and Civil War today Savannah is an industrial city as well as a strong Atlantic seaport not to mention Georgia's fifth largest city and a prime tourist destination. With its historic district and 22 park-like squares, the city has managed to maintain James Oglethorpe's original plan. Savannah has become known for its cobblestone streets, beautiful riverfront, and historic buildings, which include the Juliet Gordon Lowe House, who was founder of the Girl Scouts, the Telfair Academy of Arts and Sciences, one of the South's first public museums, First African Baptist Church, which also happens to be one of the oldest African-American Baptist congregations in the U.S., and the Georgia Railway Roundhouse Complex. Not to mention the beauty of the city is indescribable. The food here is painstakingly delicious, and the air is literally thick with history. Welcome to the, quote, hostess city of the South, end quote. Now, if you're going to plan a trip to Savannah, there are certain things that you need to know about and to help you through this, I brought in my good buddy, Joe Odom. Take it away, Joe. The following is an excerpt from Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil by John Barrent. This is Joe Odom's Rules to Living in Savannah. Savannah's a peculiar place, but if you just listen to your cousin Joe, you'll get along fine. You'll need to know about a few basic rules, though. Rule number one, always stick around for one more drink that's when things happen that's when you find out everything you want to know rule number two never go south of Gaston Street a true Savannian is a nog nog means north of Gaston we stay in the old part of town we don't do the mall we don't do the south side unless we're invited to a party for rich people out of the land Everything south of Gaston Street is north of Jacksonville to us, and ordinarily, we leave it alone. Rule number three, observe the high holidays. St. Patrick's Day and the day of the Georgia-Florida football game. Savannah has the third biggest St. Patrick's Day parade in America. People come from all over the South to see it. Businesses close for the day, except for restaurants and bars, and the drinking starts at about 6 a.m., Liquor is a major feature of the Georgia-Florida game too, but the similarity ends there. The game is nothing less than a war between the gentlemen of Georgia and the Florida Barbarians. We get all keyed up for it a week ahead of time, and then afterwards it takes a week to ten days to deal with the emotional strain of having won or lost. Georgia men grow up understanding the seriousness of that one game. Maybe it's the moss draped oaks that line the avenues that disperse some sort of scent or effervescence that ensnares the senses. Perhaps it's the cobblestone, brick laden streets that lie underfoot that allow memories that aren't our own to ascend into our shoes and climb their way up our legs, through our torso, and divulge themselves into our brains. Wouldn't put it past something being in the water. Or the alcohol. Hell, maybe even the food. Perhaps, as it were, one too many beignets over at Huey's. No, I don't believe it to be anything of this world. This city doesn't feel like any other place I've ever been. It feels as though something far off, something out past where neither our eyes nor telescopes can roam is calling. Calling us back to a time long forgot but oh so well remembered. Like a full glass of water, so top heavy. It's on the cusp of spilling over and drowning us all. But yet, it doesn't. Pure controlled chaos. <laughs> Maybe it's those things that we can't see, smell, or taste. Those things that some folk don't like talking about. Those things that we happen to see manifest just outside our peripheral. The wind that blows when no windows are open the soft-spoken tones that reverberate off the walls even though no one in the room has uttered. It's that chill to the bone that raises goose flesh on your arms and then trickles down your spine. Those things that hide in the shadows and don't wish to be seen, but rather heard. Those things that go bump in the night, those things that strike fear into men's hearts, those things that can't be shaken nor stirred, those things that call from the back of our minds It's here, in Savannah, where these things make themselves known. Down to River Street, through the Factors Walk, down through the squares, past the old Mercer House, yes, over the green grass of Forsyth Park. It's all here, neatly jumbled. So join me as we take a stroll on the darker side of Savannah, Georgia. It's time to pull up a bench, settle down, and cozy up with a cocktail for this episode of the Southern Spectre Podcast. Enjoy. The city of Savannah has seen more than its fair share of tragedy and upheaval over the years, including a yellow fever, a fire that devastated the city in 1796, and then another in 1820. Over 700 residents of the hostess city died from an outbreak of yellow fever and most were placed in unmarked graves in mass. The Savannah Fire of 1796 would be recorded in the history books as one of the greatest tragedies of its time. The fire destroyed 229 houses and 146 buildings, not to mention the amount of death an event of this size would carry. Then another near-fatal fire that would ravage the city would occur in 1820. The fire that had started as a mere spark in a stable escaped and destroyed 500 buildings in the city. Although as luck would have it, the fire was gone almost as quickly as it began as it smoldered out by that afternoon. People had lost loved ones, homes, and businesses. You would think that Savannah had seen enough death and destruction with its history thus far. However, between 1854 and 1876, more people would die from more outbreaks of yellow fever. Throughout all of this, the good people of Savannah lost so much, but the one thing they clung to more than ever was hope. They would pull themselves up by their bootstraps and face the days ahead. With so much tragedy, devastation, death, and destruction throughout its history, it's no wonder Savannah has been rewarded the title of Most Haunted City in America. This brings us to the Hamilton-Turner Inn. Samuel Pugh Hamilton was born in 1837. He was raised to be a family man as well as a successful businessman. Samuel would go on to marry Emma Sprigg, while stationed in Charleston during his service in the U.S. Navy. They would bear two children together, but sadly Emma would pass in 1862. After Emma's death, Samuel would leave his post as officer in the Navy. He would go on to play a role in the Civil War where he served until the war was over. Throughout the 1800s, Samuel Hamilton proved to be quite the busy man. He opened a jewelry store in 1862, served as alderman for the Brush Electric Light and Power Company, played a role with the Knights Templar, was an active member of the Masons, involved with local cotton mills, railroads, and the Tybee Beach Company, not to mention he worked as an optician. If all this weren't enough, Samuel would be elected to the Savannah Ice Manufacturers and Artesian Ice and Storage Company, where he served as president and treasurer to each, along with giving in to the Savannah Benevolent Association and attending St. John's Episcopal Church. Talk about a mouthful. Samuel indeed had more than his fair share of irons in the fire. Samuel would marry his brother's widowed wife in 1866 and in 1873 had a beautiful mansion constructed for his wife Sarah and their children. In 1883, Samuel would use his time with the Brush Electric Light and Power Company as beneficial when the Hamilton household became the first home in the city with electricity. Samuel had worked his way through the ranks and was now one of the most notable and distinguished businessmen in Savannah, Mr. Hamilton, was indeed among the top tier of Savannah's elite. Known for the grandeur and magnitude of their parties, Sarah and Samuel stood out among their peers. Then in 1898, the home was nearly destroyed by another Savannah fire, but it was the home's limestone roof that had stopped the flames from fully engulfing the residents. Dr. Francis Turner would purchase the property from Hamilton in 1915. Dr. Turner's family would live in the home until 1926. The home would become a boarding house for nurses of the Marine Hospital in 1928. Dr. Turner and his family would move back to their beloved home sometime in the 1940s. Dr. Turner would use a portion of the home to set up his practice. The Cathedral of St. John the Baptist sought out property to build a play area for a nearby school. They set their sights on Dr. Turner's home. So in 1965, Dr. Turner sold the home to the church and the home was set for destruction. However, the historic Savannah Foundation stepped in in 1955 and after many years of debate and negotiating, the home had been saved. Over the following years, the Hamilton-Turner home would encounter several proprietors transform into an apartment building and survive scandal. The Hamilton-Turner was made famous with John Barrent's book Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. It was the infamous disbarred lawyer, Joe Odom, then the home's property manager, who would throw wild and outrageous parties here at the home, causing sleepless nights and trouble for his neighbors. Joe Odom died in the Hamilton-Turner home in 1991. Now, rumor has it that it was the Hamilton-Turner home that Walt Disney drew early inspiration for early designs of the famous Disney Haunted Mansion. And much like the Haunted Mansion itself, The Hamilton-Turner home turned in has been said to have a plethora of ghosts from the hereafter. Paranormal events said to have been witnessed here are the sounds of children laughing when no children are present. Billiard balls rolling by themselves and witnesses have claimed to see a cigar-smoking man standing on the roof. This brings us to our next stop along our tour of Savannah, the 1790 Inn and Restaurant. According to the 1790 Inn and Restaurant website, the inn gets its name from the year 1790, which is when the city of Savannah held its first free election of mayor, city council, and the formation of a city government. The restaurant and inn is one of the oldest restaurants and inns in operation still today. The western part of the building was built as a duplex between 1821 and 1823 by Steele white. The smaller eastern section was built by the Powers family in 1888. The ground level with its slate floor and soft brick walls are thought to date from a previous structure possibly destroyed in the Great Savannah Fire of 1820. Original wood shingles are visible in the attic and wooden pegs and wedges holding beams in place can be found throughout the building. There is also at least three ghosts believed to be permanent residents. There is the spirit of a boy named Thaddeus that has been seen on the ground floor of the restaurant and tavern. Apparently, young Thaddeus likes to leave shined-up pennies all over the bar room. He's described as a kind spirit who's often felt as a warm presence. Then there seems to be a not-so-friendly entity that roams about the kitchen area in the restaurant. It's believed that the clinking of metal bracelets is his calling card, so to speak. Often knocking over pots and pans and seasonings being thrown about the kitchen and at workers is usually him up to no good. Finally, we have Anna, who is the most well-known of the ghosts here at 1790. There are a few renditions of the legend, but the most common told is that Anna's hand in marriage was arranged to a man she did not love. Anna was not in love with him because her heart belonged to a sailor, but as with most sailors, his heart belonged to the sea. Such a tragedy. Just ask Brandy. Ah, yes, Brandy. She was a fine girl. It's believed that as his ship set sail down the Savannah River and out of Anna's sight, it was at that precise moment that Anna had leapt from the second story window to the cold brickyard below. Others believe it wasn't her own doing at all, but a violent shove from her soon-to-be jealous husband. Now that window Anna leapt from was here at the inn in room 204, which has lovingly become known as Anna's room. For two centuries, Anna's ghost is said to haunt the second floor of the inn, particularly room 204. Anna has been described as friendly and mischievous as she's been known to mess with guests' personal belongings and sometimes things go missing. A dark shadow has also been seen skulking about, particularly at the foot of the bed. Reportings of Anna's presence as she leans over unsuspecting guests as they sleep and she strokes their cheek. Flickering lights, disembodied voices, and even unlocking of the doors are all attributed to Anna, making even non-believers believe. It's believed that because Anna was heartbroken at the time of her death, her spirit is attracted to couples staying in room 204. That is why on June 5th of this year, Mrs. Specter and I will be visiting the 1790 Inn and restaurant and actually staying in room 204. And as I've announced before, we will attempt to do a live stream during our stay. So stay tuned for that. I'm very excited about this to say the least. More to come on this soon. Stay tuned. And next we'll have an interview with Miss Enica Edenfield. Right after these messages. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I have Miss Enica Edenfield here with me from Savannah, Georgia. She has the YouTube channel uh Salty Waves and Spanish Moss. Is that correct? Uh,
1: it's the YouTube channel is Enica Edenfield. Uh, but apologies. my current series of salt waves and Spanish
0: moss uh, understood nothing. I can't go back and edit it out. <laughs> All right. So we're here and we're going to be talking about the 1790 in which, uh, in June, me and Mrs. Spector will actually be going to stay the night in room 204 where it is supposedly is rumored to be haunted by, um, and, uh, one Anna, uh, I guess there's the ghost of Anna, who was, some say was pushed, others say she jumped. Uh, so let's see here if we can dive on into this a little bit more. So the 1790 N, uh, it is the possibility that it got its name from when the city of Savannah actually became the city of Savannah and it was the formation of a city government. it's rumored to be one of the oldest restaurants and inns in operation still today in the city. The Western part of the building was built as a duplex between 1821 and 1823 by steel white. The smaller Eastern section was built by the powers family in 1888. The ground level with its slate floor and soft brick walls are thought to date from a previous structure, possibly destroyed in the great Savannah fire of 1820. Um, so basically like me and, uh, inica here We're just discussing was that this was when it was first built it was not all built at once it was built in different sections and as it progressively became bigger over the years then i guess at some time later on it actually all became one is that correct
1: that's what i've been told
0: understood so <laughs> Speaking of what you've been told, can you tell us what is it that you've actually heard or witnessed or actually seen, uh, from the 1790 and have you ever actually been inside and taken a walk around or anything?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, there is, so there's the inn and then on the lower floor, there's the restaurant and bar and I've gone into the bar a few times.
0: Okay. Now I myself have actually been there as well. And, um, it's a very nice hotel. Um, uh, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, in, but, uh, it, I, as far as eating at the restaurant, I've never actually done that, but I hear very good things. And, uh, the bar, I've actually checked out the bar as well. Um, and like I said, this is one of those places where you can just walk in and this, it's all part of that Savannah feel to it. You know, you can actually feel the history in there. Um, so, just diving a little bit further into the story of Anna or better yet, the story behind the the, the inn and restaurant itself is that uh, there's three ghosts to believe that haunt this place. Is that correct?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the bar and restaurant area is supposedly haunted by the ghost of a little boy and no one's really sure how he ended up there. Uh, He could have been a little boy that was a part of one of the family members who owned a portion of the building. Um, But he's very playful and will sometimes like play little tricks on people, like tug on their clothes. Uh, I've heard that he throws pennies at people sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, one of my friends used to be a bartender there and she had had some encounters with him and she wasn't really too worried about him. Now the ghost in the kitchen is a little scarier. Uh, That is a female presence. Some people believe that she was a enslaved woman who worked there. Once again, no one's actually 100% on that, uh, but she can terrorize people in the kitchen, throw things around, uh, move things, uh, break dishes, that sort of thing. So if you cross her, you're in trouble.
0: Yeah, because I was under the understanding, I guess, main, mainly just because of the behavior, uh, was that it was actually a gentleman of some kind. And yes, I do agree with you um, that it was the possibility. I have read it was possibility of it being a slave. Um, and they said, from what I've read, was that it p- potentially somebody who had practiced any kind of voodoo at one point or another, yeah. it kind of hinges on that a uh, little bit from what I've read, not saying it's a hundred percent fact, just, just met- may uh thought it would be worth mentioning, but yeah, there's no definitive answer on that.
1: See over, over in this area, we don't really have voodoo. We have hoodoo. Okay. Voodoo has more Catholic influences because mm-hmm. of it's, because of the influx of people in Louisiana, right, and so that's that's the, the voodoo side. Hoodoo pulls more from the African mysticism, like Baptist, right, uh, symbolism as well. Um, that's my understanding of it.
0: <laughs> right, I understand because see that was i think that was one of the biggest things you know not saying it's 100 percent accurate but the movie in the midnight garden of good and evil when they they say they go into the cemetery a lot of folks think that they went to uh bonaventure but in fact mm-hmm. they had went to a uh a different cemetery that was actually located in beaufort county so they actually went back and uh actually went to a different completely different one that wasn't even located in the state as a matter of fact so yeah just thought Mm -hmm. something i found interesting but uh yeah i've actually heard and i thought about doing a whole show on that as well about dr buzzard and everything down in beaufort Mm -hmm. county so um that's an interesting story into itself uh okay so now we get to the main our main protagonist here uh anna now anna I'm just going to try and summarize it as best as I can, but she was in love with a sailor, is that correct? And uh
1: you tell your your version. And we'll go from there.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so from what I'm gathering here, uh she is of course she's one of the most well-known ghost story uh ghosts uh here at the inn. From what I understand, the most common told story is that says she was arranged, uh, she had an arranged marriage. And of course, she didn't feel the same way he did about her. She, her heart really belonged to a sailor, and he had actually left or whatever because he was not the sailor was not actually in love with her as much as he thought he was or something along those lines. And that whenever she found out about it, of course, you know, she threw herself out. This is where it gets a little fuzzy for me because I've heard that she actually threw herself out the second story window, and then I've also told was told that she she was pushed so uh you know there's a little just like with most of these stories there's usually about three or four different versions of them depending on who's telling it
1: yeah the i've heard that anna was married to the innkeeper i've heard that anna was the daughter of the innkeeper um but in both both versions uh she does fall in love with a sailor and yeah some versions have her jumping out the second story window others have her being pushed but the thing is when you look at the second story it's not that far to the ground (laughs) so if you're trying to kill yourself that is a terrible way to do it (laughs) like you're gonna end up with a broken arm at most so a lot of a lot of us who have tried to delve into the real story of anna uh most of us believe that that entire story is completely made up now there was an anna who did live at the inn uh but she lived into her 80s i think so maybe it's that anna who haunts it maybe it's an entirely different person uh and the name anna has just been assigned to her yeah a lot of people like there are some variations on this and a lot of ghost tours will tell you that you know. She loves the men who stay in her room, but she's mean to the women. I think she's really more of a playful spirit. Uh, I think she just likes messing with people.
0: and And that's very well true um, I don't know how I set up now, especially since covid um I have been on the seventeen hundred n website, and like you said they they actually have it set up where guests can actually go on online and you know tell their version of what experiences they may have had while you know during their stay. And, uh, you know, some people say, oh yeah, you know, it was a peaceful sleep. We had, you know, we slept fine. Nobody bothered us. We didn't hear anything, you know, so on and so forth. And then others claim that, you know, you know, it was just, you know, a riot up in their room. So, I'm, um, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things. And, you know, if you go back and look, I think it was, I don't want to mess nobody's titles up, but I don't know if it was ghost adventurers or ghost hunters, but one of the crew actually made their way there, and um, they actually were in the room conducting an investigation. And uh, I think they brought along, like, a bear and it uh, looks like some beads and maybe a ball. And I'm like, you know, what made them think that that would, had anything to do with what me and you were talking about? You know, I'm like, how is that a trigger object for, you know, you know? but I, I don't know. I, I'm not a ghost hunter. I just like to hear the stories and tell them, so... But, uh, that's, that's one thing that kind of drew me in. Now I have heard they actually left the bear and the beads and the ball behind, uh, and that it rests upon the mantelpiece. As of now, I've heard people say that, uh, from what I'm gathering is that we're in the room where the headboard of the bed is now is that's where the window is that she actually jumped out of. Uh, so I'm not exactly a hundred percent on that, but. I'll, I'll find out. Maybe mm-hmm. I'll come back with more, more answers than questions. So who knows?
1: <laughs> One of my friends uh, actually stayed there in, in that room uh, for her honeymoon. Uh, she and her husband got married and they just went to keep it low key. So their mini honeymoon was there at the end and they were getting ready for bed. And my friend took off her jewelry, put it on the same spot. They went to bed the next morning. They were packing everything up. She could not find her necklace anywhere, anywhere. Mm. She tore that room apart. They checked the sink. They checked everything. And she was like, well, shoot, like, I guess I'm just going to have to let them know to keep an eye out for it. And she started to head down towards the front desk. And one of the room service ladies stopped her and asked if she could help. And my friend said, no, like my necklace is missing. I'm just going to let them know what it looks like in case they find it. They can call me. And she said, oh, don't worry. That's just Anna. It'll turn up. (laughs) And my friend went to the front desk, gave them a description of the necklace. And they were more like, yeah, don't don't worry about it. It'll show up. (laughs) And so they packed up all their stuff and got in their car, drove home. The necklace was sitting in her driveway.
0: Really? wow now that's that's spooky
1: and i was like well that was awfully nice of her to return it and she said yeah but it's a little creepy that anna's not stuck at the end and i was like you got a point there also
0: did she open up her wallet and get her driver's license to see where she stayed at
1: right <laughs> clearly clearly anna can read and
0: apparently she can use google maps now a couple of a couple of them that uh, actually say off the website is uh, these are some of the reviews that have been left about their experiences. One of them says that all it says is Anna is here. Uh, (laughs) uh, Another one says you can feel something here if it is Anna and she is a peaceful spirit, at least for us. Uh, Another another person wrote heard footsteps and floor creaking, got touched and saw her shadow. (laughs) (laughs) So another thing that's kind of tied to this legend, uh, it says that it's believed that because Anna was heartbroken at the time of her death, her spirit is attracted to couples staying in room 204. Uh, So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I'm kind of definitely looking forward to it. You know, I've never actually done anything like this. Um, So I'm kind of, kind of wondering, you know, what happens, what goes on and kind of see what happens from there. Um now it is getting close to St. Patrick's Day. And yep. so and you have some stories about that to share or
1: Yeah. Um so St. Patrick's Day is a huge deal in Savannah. Right. We when there's not a pandemic, have one of the largest St. Patrick's Day parades in the country. And we get lots of pipe and drum bands that come in and, you know, different firefighter groups and police groups that come in. And it's it's a fun celebration. Right. And nowadays, like Savannah celebrates its Irish heritage. But when Savannah was first founded, it was an English colony. And so, you know, the Irish not so welcome then. But after Savannah was founded, some... Irish people were trying to come over to the new land, get a fresh start. And so some of them became indentured servants. All right. And one such person was a young girl named Alice Riley. She was a teenager and she came over uh, shortly after Savannah was founded. And she was assigned to a farm farm. Out on what is now Hutchinson Island, Okay. and so it's right there on the Savannah River. Right. Unfortunately for her, the person she was assigned to was kind of a sleaze bag. Mm. Uh, like from what I've read, like no one in the colony liked him at all. And so his name was William Wise.
0: William Wise, and
1: he he had come over from England. Was one of those people who was always sort of trying to work his way around the rules the most famous story told is that when he was coming to savannah from england that the woman who accompanied him who he told everyone was his daughter was actually a prostitute oh goodness yes um (laughs) and so he was assigned a farm out on Hutchison island Uh, allegedly because nobody wanted him in town. And he was sort of given Alice Riley and another Irish indentured servant, Richard White. Uh, This is where the story kind of goes in a weird direction. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some people say that William Wise had been sick. Other people said that he was just a lazy, creepy dude. (laughs) Either way, uh, Alice was charged with bathing him Okay, and like picking the knots out of his breezy hair. Ooh. Uh, and, and sometimes Richard White would help her. Some people say that William Wise took advantage of Alice. Um, but at any rate, one day William Wise was found dead, drowned in his own backwater. Alice and Richard were arrested. Uh, some people say that Alice was. Completely innocent that she had nothing to do with it; that it was all Richard. Uh, other people say that the two of them had fallen in love and had both plotted to kill William, but since they were both Irish, they were both immediately found guilty. Like there was wasn't much of a trial at all. Right. Uh, Richard was hanged
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: soon after, but before they could hang Alice, they discovered that she was pregnant.
0: Ooh.
1: So eight months later, after she gave birth to her son, James, she was hung.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And legend has it that right before they hung her, she cursed the square where she was hung, which nowadays is right square. Right square. And the legend is that her curse keeps Spanish moss from growing on the trees in that square there's actually a scientific explanation for it but you know (laughs) the curse makes a much more fun story (laughs) but Alice's ghost is still seen today uh unfortunately for her child the child I guess was sickly Mm -hmm. and died about two weeks Mm -hmm. after Alice did right and they are both buried underneath one of the stores on the square so they their burial plot would be in what is 9 West York Street now.
0: 9 West York
1: Street. There are people who say that sometimes at night they see a woman walking through the square calling for her baby.
0: Wow. That's kind of creepy.
1: And she's not the only ghost there. There's a... Normally you don't think about like a CVS being haunted, <sighs> but there's a CVS pharmacy right there on the square as well and above it is office space now i moved to savannah in 2010 Mm -hmm. i had never seen anyone stay in that office space for very long there is always a for rent sign up in that that spot and the cbs pharmacy allegedly closes earlier than most pharmacies because it's also haunted (laughs) and i was told that that is where the old jail used to be okay So
0: Hmm.
1: maybe Richard's hanging around the old jail.
0: Anything's possible in Savannah. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) But Alice is pretty famous. There was actually uh, an opera written about her. Mm -hmm. And this past summer, the Savannah Voice Festival performed one of the songs from it as part of their festival.
0: Wow. I had no idea. That's pretty interesting stuff. And that's just one of the things about yep. Savannah I love, you know, it's just, it does, it always seems that doesn't matter how much you think you know about the city, something else always just comes up out of nowhere, you know, and like, well, wait a minute, I've been to Savannah several times. Where'd this come from? You know, and it's just mm-hmm. over the years, it just seems like it's built itself on reputation over reputation, over reputation. And that's just one thing I just love about the city, you know, and, and I'm not trying to be a, a hater on any other southern cities but <laughs> you know and this is the way i've always felt uh since i've you know f- had fallen in love with savannah but you know everybody says you know Charleston is like the, the queen city of the south and you know i'm like yeah but savannah's the hostess city y'all got it wrong you know and i might <laughs> you know and here's the funny thing about it and this is just my personal opinion is that they, ha- they actually offer a lot of the same things. You know, you're going to actually mm-hmm. see a lot of the same style homes and buildings and structures Uh you. They're both, you know, steeped in, in, in history and all the, the trauma and just the wild things that the streets have seen over the years. And they even have, you know, they, they offer the same kind of tours, you know, you got a ghost tour here or you got a, uh, like a pub crawl over here. And then you can go and take a, uh, what is a horse horse drawn carriage ride or whatnot. And that's all cool. But what to me, what, what it boils down to is that how you feel once you actually step foot in the city. And that's, I I know, I know, I know I keep, this is repetitive for me, but I, I promise it's <laughs> the truth is that, you you know you hear a lot of people say you know well so and so you know what kind of feeling are you getting from this house or in this room or from that person or whatever you know and it's the truth when you step foot in different places you feel a certain way and as far as Savannah goes you can step foot in Savannah and step foot in Charleston and as far as I'm concerned there is a difference and I mean it's it's that's what's weird about it it is palpable. And that is crazy mm-hmm. to me. Really, it is. You know, when you walk down like through Factor's Walk, and it's just amazing. I mean, you, to me, not that I've ever been there, but immediately my mind races back to like something that you know uh, Jack the Ripper was stalking around about. You know, in there, it's crazy.
1: It does. It does feel like you walked back in time.
0: Absolutely.
1: And it's it's interesting because my side job as a freelance writer. I have interviewed uh, metaphysical shop owners, a psychic, an astrologer, and all of them will say the same thing about Savannah. Savannah time is different than time anywhere else. Because instead of time being linear here, it feels like time is just stacked on time. Right. So while we feel like we're in 2021, like 1776 is just like a hop, skip and a jump away. Right.
0: And it's just, like I said, it's just one of those things. It's it's hard to try to pinpoint one thing about the city that just, it's just weird. I mean, I could sit here all day long and I'd be spinning myself in circles because I'm reiterating the same point again and again.
1: Yeah. Unless... It's hard to explain to people who haven't been right. to Savannah. Like if you haven't been here and you haven't opened yourself up to that, then you're just not going to get it. And
0: see, that's one thing I've actually heard. I'm not, I've never been to New Orleans, but I heard that Savannah and New Orleans feel a lot alike. And just given the nature of uh in the past that what uh New Orleans has gone through, you know, that. Mm-hmm. I'm, i can only imagine it i mean it, even when i see pictures of new orleans it, i'm like i get that savannah vibe is you know it's just like though i've never been i'm like you know what that place reminds me a lot of savannah
1: savannah and new orleans both tend to hold on to their spirits right in a way that i don't think a lot of other cities do
0: right and uh and you being from florida and not that i've ever actually had the time i've been through there but not the the time or the effort to actually make my way down there. But, uh, you know, one of the oldest cities or the oldest city in the, in the United States, St. Augustine, I'm sure that probably mm-hmm. feels a lot like that too.
1: Yeah. And I went to college in Pensacola
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, you know, Pensacola is the city of five flags. It's been ruled by the Spanish, the French, the British, the Confederacy, the U S it, in fact, it was part of Florida that, seceded for a little while right so it's it's also got a weird energy to it in places
0: that's just it's just crazy you know and it kind of makes you wonder you know what what is what has actually been left behind to make it feel that way Mm -hmm. is it is it just the troubled past that it has i mean is it you know take for example uh like with, with Sherman and his march through through the South, he did not burn mm-hmm. the city of Savannah, uh, you know, nope. and, and it was just because even him back then was just taken over by its beauty that he just, you know, he's like, Hey, I might want to reconsider this, you know? And uh, <laughs> it, it was just so cool because, you know, he called uh, President Lincoln and said, Hey, <laughs> Merry Christmas. You know,
1: that's, that's one version of it. The other version is that uh the leaders of Savannah were smart enough to surrender.
0: Right, I actually heard yeah. because
1: they they were the end they were the end of his march and they were just like uh-uh we know what happens next. Exactly.
0: Now from there he left and actually made his way into South Carolina at that point and you know mm-hmm. marched to Columbia. And so it was you know at that point it's just like you know what this we can like you said, you know, they were smart enough to like, please don't burn our city. We got to have some place to stay. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I totally agree. It's just, it's just one of those things. And I, I love the city and I, I don't get back there nearly enough as I should. Um, and uh, I just, I'm totally looking forward to this um, coming down in June and uh, just seeing what we capture. Hopefully we'll capture something, experience something. If not, it's going to make for a boring night. So, (laughs) but I'm
1: sure at some point you're going to encounter something
0: eventually. Yeah. We'll never know what, like I said, that was never my intention with the show or anything like that. So, but you know, if I do, that'd be cool nonetheless. So, uh, we'll just see how how see how it goes. You know, um, it's just one of those things and I definitely look forward to it. Uh, well, Miss Enoch, I definitely appreciate you coming on the show today and telling us about, uh, Miss Alice Riley and, uh, explaining because i didn't even know there was a difference between voodoo and hoodoo i thought it was just depending on where you're from depends on how you pronounce it you know so Mm -hmm. um but yeah i thank you for coming on and talking about uh the 1790 n. if you guys have tiktok there she can be found at salt waves and spanish moss is that right i got that one right (laughs) okay and uh you want to and what was your youtube channel again you're better at that one than i am
1: my YouTube is my first name, Enica E-N-O-C-H-A, and my last name, Edenfield. But if, you know, you find me on TikTok, then I've got all my links there on my bio. There you
0: go. Oh, all right. Uh, anything else you want to plug, Any?
1: Happy St. Patrick's Day.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> Happy St. <Saint> Patrick. <laughs> I can't even get that out. Happy St. Patrick's Day, you guys. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Southern Spectre. I hope each and every one of you enjoyed today's episode. I want to thank Miss Enica Edenfield for coming on the show today. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you stick around for more episodes. Hope you guys have a happy St. Patrick's Day. Be careful out there. COVID is not over with yet. If you can, get your vaccinations, be safe, take care of each other, and love one another. Most important thing we can all do right now is band together and in human compassion and decency. I love each and every one of you. Thank you for listening to the show. And I hope you tune in next time. Thanks and take care.